stay loose, I stay high, I stay loose, I stay high, I stay loose, I stay high. I could do this all night, cause I do what I like, yeah, I do what I like, yeah, I do what I like. What's up, everybody? I'm Nate Palvo. I am sitting here next to figuratively, not literally, unfortunately, my man, John Helmkamp. And we are back with another episode of the Dynasty Diehards here on the Razzball Podcast Network. If you're just now tuning in for the first time, you're not familiar with Razzball, there's a lot of awesome content coming out here. Make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss our show every week. You can set reminders. We're kind of full of ourselves, but yeah, we know Dynasty football and we're here to help you win your leagues every single week. John, how's the weather out there in Michigan, man? I hope it's a little warmer than the 13 degrees we've got going on right now in, in Colorado. Oh yeah, well, I've got you beat um, in, in a warmth way, not a, hey, let me tell you that it's colder. Um, it's weird. It's been like super windy for the last 24 hours, no snow. Uh, right now it's 39 degrees and then tomorrow it's supposed to plummet into the 20s with like six inches of snow. So basically um, summer's never going to get here. That's how I feel too. Yeah. But, you know, summer will get here, John. And with summer will come OTAs and camp and football. I'll be back. We've got USFL and XFL. If you're into that kind of thing, if you're really starved for football, we can watch that. But that's not what we're here to talk about, John. We're here to talk about fantasy football and the NFL, good old American football. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Let's start there. I mean, it, it was a hell of a game. I was a little bit surprised, as you know, about the outcome. I really thought Philly was going to come out on top here, but yep. you really can't you can't complain about the game. No, I mean, it was a great game. Um, I'm sure we'll get to the ending. It was unfortunate the way that it was decided, but it, man, just a spectacular Super Bowl up and down. You know, we we kind of previewed it the week before. We thought that Jalen Hurts looked like he could have an MVP caliber game, and he did have an MVP caliber yeah. game. He was spectacular. Um, really, to me, what it came down to was uh, Philly getting zero pressure on Mahomes and that defensive front that did it all year long, 70 sacks in the regular season led the league by 15 next closest had 55 um which was ironically the chiefs but that that was the story of the game to me them not being able to get pressure on defense on a patrick mahomes who was hobbled and re-injured his ankle in the second quarter before half well yeah and that that was a really curious part is you kept expecting there to be all this pressure on mahomes and when they did get pressure, even on that bum ankle, Mahomes was able to get out of trouble a lot in that game, yeah. obviously with no sacks. But I want to talk a little bit more about Jalen Hurts before we get into Kansas City, because I think people are going to kind of forget about this performance because they didn't win 304 passing yards and a touchdown. Then he had 15 carries for 70 yards and three touchdowns. He was yep. almost all of the Philly offense in this game. Dominant. He was dominant. And I think you could have made a case for him to be MVP on the losing side. I think that's only yeah. happened one time in NFL history, but I feel like the case could be there because they're not in this game without what Jalen Hurts did. I, listen, it, it honestly pisses me off that the MVP defaults to typically the quarterback of the winning team. Like odds are that's how it's going to go yeah. most years. Sometimes it's not. We've actually had two wide receivers win it uh, in the four Super Bowls prior to this one. So there was a little reason to believe that maybe a wide receiver could pull it out, but that was only going to happen in my mind if Philadelphia won and, you know, whatever. I agree. I thought that Jalen Hurts was the most valuable player in that Super Bowl. He dominated. He was surgical. He was precise. Other than the one inexplicable fumble where he was trying to transfer arms and he dropped it, 
and uh, Nick Bolton ran it back for a touchdown. Other than that, he took over this game. And what did he do on the next drive? Came back out after that fumble, completely flushed it, went down the field for a touchdown. Like he was, he was fantastic. I'm, I'm thrilled for him to see it. And I honestly, he was the most, most valuable player on the field. Well, and that fumble recovery, really, that ended up being probably the most pivotal play of the game. They, they handed Kansas City seven points, and you can't hand a team like Kansas City points. You just can't do it. They took a field goal off the board on their own with Butker dinging it, which I'm really mad I didn't take that prop bet last week. <laughs> plus <laughs> 450, right? Plus, plus 450 for when to go up the post. 50. Yep, wish I would have done it, but – there were other so let's get to the Kansas City side of this because I mean AJ Brown had some phenomenal catches. Devonta Smith looked phenomenal. I don't yep. think that was a surprise to anybody. Miles Sanders looked, I mean, how, how else do you say it? Pedestrian, replaceable. replaceable. Um, yeah. What I've been calling him for probably three seasons now. He's just not a spe- he's not special. And we saw that in this game. We've, right. we've seen it all season. He can do things here and there when they need him to. But in a big game, they're not going to rely on Miles Sanders to carry the weight. Right. Now, on the Kansas City side, Isaiah Pacheco, man. I mean, <laughs> did he solidify – to you, did he solidify his place as the RB1 in Kansas City next season? I think so, and the biggest reason is financials. Why? Because he was a seventh-round draft pick. He is going to be so cheap, and they've seen the production out of him, the explosive ability, the big plays, the physicality. To, to run people over and break tackles. If I'm them, I'm going, all right, yeah, I'm not investing in another running back. I mean, you need depth, period. You always need depth right. at running back. But they're not going to spend premium capital, whether in the draft or in free agency on the running back. I don't think when this is Mahomes' offense and they've got a guy that's on a cheap contract that they just took in the seventh round, you're, you're good. Like, you're set at running back position for a couple years in my mind. They'll get depth. They'll bring some guys in, but – I don't see them making any big additions to that, to that backfield. So, but that said, do you think they hold on to Jet McKinnon? Maybe um, I could see it because he is versatile. Um, but we saw the the workload split in the Super Bowl, and it, it sure looks like it's Isaiah Pacheco's backfield right now. So if they hold on to McKinnon, he might have his own occasional like standalone flex value if he's lucky enough to catch a pass for a touchdown. But outside of that, I, I think that Pacheco right now is set up really well to, to be that, that starter next year. So here's where I think we're in a little bit of disagreement because I think they keep Jet McKinnon. I think the CEH experiment's over. I think they're going to move on from him this offseason. Yep. I agree with you that Pacheco's the man, but the role that McKinnon played in that offense was such a hybrid on the back half of the season, and it worked so well. Having that piece in as a compliment to Pacheco just seems to make sense to me. To the point where I think we're seeing a guy who's getting five or six to seven targets a game next season in McKinnon. And all of a sudden he could become viable as like a running back to flex play most of next season. And really the cost to acquire him right now is going to be pretty minimal unless you've got someone like me who's like, I see where his value could be and I'm going to want a little bit more for him. What I'll say is that I I think – you're right in terms of a dynasty trade target. If you think that he's going to maintain a role, he is affordable. I think where I'm looking at the situation right now is that I'm expecting that they're going to improve the wide receiver room in that offense this offseason. I think that they saw that, like, listen, they still won the Super Bowl because Patrick Mahomes is an alien and he just pulls off miraculous things when it needs to happen. But I think that they know that the wide receiver room that they have is not good enough. Are they going to go out and, and trade for a, 
legit number one? No, they're not going to. They just traded away Tyree Kill because they don't think that they need it. But I do think there's going to be an improved competition at the wide receiver position, meaning I think that we potentially see less targets next season for the running back position out of that backfield. So I agree with you. I think that he's cheap right now. And as a speculative ad or trade target, he might be a free agent in your league for for all we know, if the yeah. benches aren't super deep, sure. Um, as a speculative ad or, or trade target, sure. I can see going out and okay. I, don't, I wouldn't give more than a third for him, though. Like, if I can go get him for a third-round rookie pick, all right, yeah, maybe I'll do that. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying to go out and pay up for him. We're not giving out first-round right. picks here for Jet McKinnon. Oh, no, no. What's yeah. interesting, so something I'm just, I'm just kind of perusing right now, the Chiefs cap – situation they're a little bit yep. they're just about three million over heading into the 2023 season what kind of moves can they realistically make to get a bigger name receiver i don't know that we're going to see them make much of a splash maybe they draft somebody maybe that's where they make their splash at wide receiver but i can't see them doing anything in free agency they just simply don't have the money to go out or the capital to trade for a guy like i don't know chris godwin deandre hopkins some of these guys that yeah. they've floated around yeah i don't i don't see them going after a, a big name wide receiver one um, it's going to be a depth signing somewhere. Maybe it's another draft pick. Maybe Sky Moore gets more involved next year. Everyone was banging the table for him to see more action in his rookie year. It just didn't happen. So maybe his role grows. I don't know. He was involved uh, late in that fourth quarter with a couple touches. But yeah, I, I just, I have a hard time thinking they look at the wide receiver room that they have and go, yeah, we're good. We'll stand pat there. I, I just think that's something you know, a, a tier two, tier three wide receiver free agency signing. If maybe they restructure some players on the defensive side, or maybe there's some cap casualties on that side of the ball that, that end up walking and free up a little bit of space. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting though. I think they've got a lot of, I think there's going to be movement in that roster and it just kind of remains to be seen how it's going to shake out. So this is always a hard time of year to be making dynasty moves because we have a lot of stuff that remains to be seen. Like I tend to wait, for free agency to shake out before I start getting a little bit more aggressive in the trade markets. And that's fair. And that's probably smart. I'm an idiot and I like to get aggressive <laughs> like, from the get go because I, the thing with dynasty and the way that I kind of look at some of this early off season stuff is that I've got a massive bench and most of my teams, I've got a couple open roster spots. Nice. It doesn't hurt to go out and try and make your team a little bit better before these guys, because we go into camp and we're talking about Jarek McKinnon being, uh, yeah, he's a solid RB too. He's, we're seeing him getting used in the offense a lot in OTAs. He's solidified a role. Then his price goes way up. But if I've already got him and I spent the money and I don't, you don't have to, like you said, a third round pick. There are probably managers out there where I can get him for a fourth round pick because we don't even know he's he's going to be in Kansas City next season or anywhere for that matter. Yeah. This could have been a, you know, this was a cool end to his career. Nobody's really interested in paying the price for a 31, soon to be 32 year old running back and he sails off into the sunset. I'm willing to take a chance on that right now. Are there any other guys on this Kansas like Justin Watson? Do you think maybe they elevate him a little bit? Uh, you said you mentioned sure. Sky, Sky Moore. Maybe we see him a little bit more involved, though I. I have a hard time with Sky yeah. Moore. The problem with Sky Moore is that the person in your league uh, who drafted him with a first round dynasty pick last year is not going to move off him. You know what I mean? You've, you've mm -hmm. got the cost that you've already put into him and you're going to wait it out and, you know, give it at least another year and kind of see if he develops in that offense and stuff like that. So I don't think that Sky Moore is a viable trade target in many leagues. 
I, maybe someone's going, you know what, you're dead to me, and they're willing to trade off of him for a late second. Uh, okay, maybe I'd give a late second for him. Um, but yeah, this offense is just really hard for me. I'm not really all that interested in Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, no, he got I, don't really think, I don't think he'll be on the team next season. I really don't. I, yeah, I, I don't either. Honestly, the way that he trashed A.J. Brown just really pissed me off. But um, maybe they bring him back. I mean, he was just on a one-year deal, though, so he's a free agent. We'll see if he's back in the fold. If he's not, that, there's more targets to go around. Like I said, this this is a really tough offense to piece out. I know yeah. that I want the quarterback one in Dynasty, Patrick Mahomes. I know that I want the tight end one in Dynasty, Travis Kelsey. And Isaiah Pacheco is very interesting, and I think I'd like some shares of him. I have a couple. Other than that, though, I don't know that I'm making any moves right now. I just think that there's a lot that remains to be seen with this offense this offseason. Okay, so now let's flip over to the Philly side. Is there anything you saw other than, I mean, obviously sell Miles Sanders while you can, if you can. I agree. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I think we just saw a really good Philly team. Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith is going to be continue to be a thing next season. A.J. Brown's A.J. Brown. Dallas yep. Godert looked really good in that game. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, he's a top five dynasty QB at this point. You can't really argue otherwise. He. Yep he really addressed a lot of the concerns. I think a lot of people had heading into this season where can he be an accurate passer and maintain his rushing attack? He did it. He did it well. He did it very well. Were there any other takeaways from this game, John, that you had where it's maybe shifting your thinking on some players or some situations where maybe you're going to start making some moves on your roster now or over the next couple of weeks? I mean, I already have a, ton of Devonta Smith because I've loved him since college. So he's someone that he's someone that I'm, I've been in love with for a long time. And I think he's a perfect high end wide receiver two on a team when they already have an alpha and AJ Brown. That to me is the perfect pairing on that team for their skill sets, for what they can do. I love the way that they structured that. Um, I think one of the biggest things about Devonta Smith he was incredibly productive. He had a ton of receptions, ton of yards, looked great this year, uh, has shown the ability to be a big play wide receiver and make contested catches, even though he's the slim reaper. For some reason, though, I just don't feel like he still has the dynasty hype that he should. I don't know. Like, it feels like his value is still lower than the production that you're getting for it. So with we're at that time of year where the rookie picks are going to start getting more and more hyped and more and more expensive over the next two months, because the combine is in less than two weeks when players start showing up for weigh-ins, which is crazy to me. Love the combine underwear Olympics, man. We need those numbers. (laughs) It's going to be great, but the combine's coming. The draft pick prices are going to continue to increase. You have a known commodity in Devonta Smith. I would gladly give away a 2023 first. If it's on like the back half of the first round, I would gladly give away one of those for Devonta Smith because we've already seen it. He's an NFL wide receiver that is producing at a high level in a great offense. AJ Brown's not going anywhere. Jalen Hurts isn't going anywhere. Devonta Smith's role is set in this offense for a few more years. So yeah, Devonta Smith to me is still a value, even though he balled out this year. So interestingly enough, the smart people at Player Profiler, uh, we added another smart one today, Billy Muzio, which I'm really excited to be working with over there at Player Profiler. Um, Devonta Smith is wide receiver 11 in their dynasty rankings. Mm -hmm. So there's some respect on his name there. However, I agree with you. So I'm looking at these now. Chris Olave, Drake London, Jalen Waddell all ahead of him. I think you can make a case where he should probably, he should be ahead of Drake London. Yep. Just on situation alone. 
Yeah, Drake London had a good rookie year in a crap offense, and I get the Drake London love, but mm-hmm. I would I would rather have Devonta Smith than Drake London. Well, I mean, because who's their quarterback going to be next year? Desmond Ritter. <laughs> we, we have no idea what that's. We have no look idea. Like. It could it could be Derek Carr. Still doesn't make me all that excited about it. And then Chris Olave, like again, he's a guy where I love the talent. You cannot argue that the dude is super talented and is going to succeed in the NFL. But right now, the Saints are a mess. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. It should be Jameis Winston. I don't know why it isn't. That's just lunacy to me. Yep. And you've still got Dennis Allen there, which I'll pound the drum to say he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL and how he has a job. I don't know. Derek Carr mm-hmm. last played with him right before he got fired. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, there you go. <clears throat> and we've heard some and talk then, of and Derek then Carr, Carr going there. And then Carr's, Carr's stats went up like 700 yards the next year or something like that mm-hmm. after, yeah. after Dennis Allen got the can. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I'm with you on Devonta Smith. I, I think right now you should be kicking the tires on him in your leagues. Find the manager who has him. See what they want for him. It's worth it's worth taking a shot on. The let kid me, is he's only going up. Yeah, let me just say one of my favorite things to do when doing rookie drafts. People don't like just getting one asset for one asset a lot of times. So if you're going to make a trade for Devonta Smith and you're sending that offer and you're like, sure, I'll give up my late first round draft pick in my rookie draft for Devonta Smith. Add your third round pick on there because the odds of the third round pick being anything are incredibly low. And the other manager is going to look at that and go, oh, cool. I get two assets for one. And maybe that just sweetens the deal a little bit more to get the trade done. That's just something that I do all the time. I have very few third round picks because I put all my stock in my first and second round picks and acquiring first and second round picks. And I really just don't care that much about the late picks. Like I know that they can hit and things do happen, but odds are it's probably not going to amount to much. It's going to be someone that's on your roster that you might end up cutting in two years for another rookie pick that you make. Like add that third round pick on there and try to get the deal done to go get them See, and that I like that advice. And one of my big things since I started playing dynasty is I feel like people overvalue draft picks and I'll tell you why, because I like known assets. So if you're going to offer me a player that I already know is at that caliber and is early in their career, I'm taking the player over the pick. There's very good odds that half the wide receivers that get drafted in the first round of your rookie pick this year, for as hyped as a class that it is, and we all love these guys, half the guys that go in the first round of your rookie draft could be Sky Moore. Yep. Like, it could happen. And our likely to be Sky Moore. Jalen Rager, another example of a first-round wide receiver that just busted. And, like, it happens every year. So I would rather have the known commodity – Instead of being like, oh, what's in the box? It might even be another Devonta Smith. You already have Devonta Smith. Right. Get the Devonta Smith. I 100%. Agree with you. 100%. So speaking of changes in the league and the Super Bowl is over, so we've had some coaching shifts. John, let's talk about We've got some new faces in some new places. We're going to start yep. with the stripping down of the coordinators in Philly. We've had two of them directly after the Super Bowl go get head coaching jobs and I have some questions about these hires to be completely honest. So first we've got Shane Steichen goes to the Colts as the head coach. That is now two Philly offensive coordinators in a row that have taken over the Colts job. Is, do you think this is a good hire for Indy? Cause here's my question is sure. Their offense was explosive, but how much of that was because he had Jalen Hurts, because he had A.J. Brown, because he had Devonta Smith. And because, because they, they had, had the Dallas best Goddard. line in football. 
the best offensive line in football. Jason Kelsey coaches himself. Like you have this offense that probably didn't need a whole lot of help, but now he's going to a team that needs a whole lot of help. They don't have their quarterback. They don't have their starting quarterback on the roster. Don't worry. The bears will give it to them. Um, Probably. Unless you believe some of the hype that the Bears actually might trade Justin Fields, which I think is absolutely batshit crazy. I don't think it could possibly happen. So we're not we're not going to get into that right now because I will just go on a rage and it'll yes. take up our entire podcast show. But that will be something that we discuss in the coming weeks leading up to the draft for sure. Sure, sure. So Spoiler I just think alert, it's, it's not happening. I don't think it is either, regardless of the rumors and chatter. But okay. Yeah. Do you think Steichen? Is gonna is this just a guy who's gonna spend two seasons there and then get canned again? So it's possible. Um, I think that Indianapolis has had so much turmoil over the last few years at quarterback, at coach, at everything that they really are looking for stability, which is one of the reasons why I think the Colts are going to go all in to trade up for a quarterback in this draft, whether it's the 101 or the 102. Getting Houston off the 102, though, is gonna be like damn near impossible because they have an opportunity to take their quarterback and they need the same thing. So to me, the one Oh one is an easier trade to make because the bears will just be like, yeah, dude, happily give me the one Oh four slew of other picks, whatever the package ends up looking like Uh, third round this year, first in 2024 and a second on top of it. Done deal, whatever. They're going to go get their quarterback because they, they want that chance to build around a face of the franchise and they gave Shane Steichen a six-year contract. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean anything because coaches get fired right. all the time with guaranteed money still on the table, just like at Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. But I think they really want that stability. They're looking for a long-term option, and I think that Steichen's going to get a bit of a leash because of it because they've already been recycling coaches, and they're going to go, okay, we're going to work with you. We're going to give you time to get the, the assets in place to build the offense that you're looking for, to get it going and see if it works. Kind of like Cliff Kingsbury. He got a long leash in Arizona because they were trying to give him time to get the ball moving. They know that they have a long ways to go right now. They've got Jonathan Taylor, love of my life. They've got Michael Pittman. They have Alec Pierce. They have some young wide receiver talent on that team. So maybe they are a quarterback away from at least showing promise and that they're going in the right direction. So well, to they, me, they've got one of the most expensive offensive lines in the league. Yeah. And if they're healthy, really they're, if they're healthy. Out. They're well, but if they're healthy, they're one of the best lines in the league. Right. So I, I think they're a great situation for a rookie quarterback because of that line, because of the running back play, because you've got some young wide receivers that's a pretty good landing spot for a rookie quarterback to go to. And because we saw him design a offense around Jalen Hurts rushing ability, it makes me think they might be a little bit more inclined towards CJ Stroud than Bryce Young because Stroud has a little bit more improvisational ability. He doesn't have Hurts rushing ability and top end speed. No, right. But he can extend plays out of the pocket, move the pocket around stuff like that. I could see that being more of a fit for Steichen than, than, uh, Bryce Young. All right, John. So let's move on to the next coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon goes to the Cardinals. We know how bad their defense was last year. The Cardinals defense was putrid and the Eagles defense was phenomenal, but we've heard a lot of chatter the last couple of days, or at least I have that Gannon's success was ultimately a product of Howie Roseman, just building a completely loaded unit and giving this defense everything they needed to succeed that, Coaching didn't matter all that much. It was kind of handed to Gannon 
And can he turn a franchise that's just in utter turmoil right now? Can he turn that team around? Can he turn that locker room around? I'll say that I'm a lot less optimistic about Gannon than I am about Steichen. I'm I'm very dubious about this working out. So I agree with you. Howie Roseman built an absolutely loaded and opportunistic defense with great pass rush, which puts quarterback under pressure. And then they throw the ball down the field and make poor choices. And then the secondary is opportunistic with it and go and ball hawk it. You know, I, I, I think they had a loaded defense in terms of players. I don't know that the concept was all that elite. I think that this is a really interesting choice uh, for a team that's in a lot of flux right now. Well, I, I think what it tells me is this organization doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. from top to bottom at this point because like you said i don't know how bidwell the, well bidwell got canned never mind yeah bidwell got well yeah yes he did get canned um but with gannon like we saw the deficiencies of his defensive scheme in the super bowl they faced an offense that could pick it apart and they did they kind of exposed that philly defense for what it was which is loaded with talent with not that great of a defensive scheme yep. they couldn't do anything to stop a hobbled Patrick Mahomes. And if you can't, when you got the kind of pressure you got all season, but then you can't get it against a quarterback with a bad ankle. I mean, that's not a good look. What's hard for me was the two like change of direction routes at the goal line. So it happened on one touchdown for Kansas city. And then Gannon didn't adjust at all. And the next time they were down in the red zone, they ran the exact same play to the opposite side of the field. Pretty much. I know there were differences in the play, but essentially the same thing. We're going to fake motion so that the guy going and man runs with him. And then he's going to reverse course and go back. And he's wide open, wide open, no defender within 20 yards of him on that side of the field for a touchdown. So Gannon not adjusting after the Kadarius Tony touchdown to then have it happen again a second time uh, was not great. And that's a lack of, coaching in my opinion you have you've got the guys but you didn't have the scheme or the ability to adjust on the fly and the nfl is a game of adjustments so Step that 100%. to me is a big concern about arizona i'm uh ooh, yeah it's uh it's going to be very interesting down in the desert i think it's going to be a bit of a train wreck to be honest okay so then let me ask you this if you've got james connor if you've got deandre hopkins which we're assuming hop is going to get moved but let's say just maybe he doesn't get moved sure rondale moore are you concerned about their value as we get into the 2023 season? Are they going to be fantasy viable in an offense that could be an absolute train wreck for the majority of the season? Has Gannon hired an OC yet? I meant to look into that before the show and I didn't Not see Not as that. far as I've seen. No. Okay. So I think that that's It'll probably be Adam Gase though. <laughs> God, probably. That's hilarious. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting because one thing that I didn't like about the offense that Cliff Kingsbury was running down there with the four wide offense was his lack of motion. He didn't put anyone in motion and utilize the speed that he had on that offensive room with Rondo Moore and Kyler Murray. There was no change of direction. It was basically, we're going to line up in four wide and run route trees off of it. What did Kansas city do to take advantage of the Eagles defense in the red zone? They put people in motion and made defenders, think on the fly and react quickly and make good decisions. Kingsbury didn't do that. So I think this offense actually has been underutilized. And I think that a new offensive coordinator can get good results out of this offense that has nothing to do with Jonathan Gannon. So I'm not 
like panic fire selling on Cardinals offensive players if I have them. I think my, right now might actually be a good time to go buy some of them. You could get some of them probably sneaky low. You have Marquise Brown too. Think about that. Yep, There's very all true. kinds of speed in this offense. Mm-hmm. And if an offensive coordinator looks at this and goes, holy crap, I've got Rondo Moore, Marquise Brown, and Kyler Murray. I've got three track stars on offense. How can I put defenders in a bind using that speed? It could potentially put together a really interesting offense. So does it change your mind if I tell you the likely offensive coordinator is going to be Cleveland Browns quarterbacks coach, Drew Petzing? Yes, it does. Don't like that whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) So again, it just, it kind of remains to be seen, but if we're doing speculative off season trades, maybe there's panic around Arizona right now with all the upheaval and maybe just check in on those guys and see Marquise Brown coming off an injury. He's still super young too. Isn't he like 23 like he's still 23, 24. Yeah, yeah. No, he's very he's still young. super he's very young. young. So he might be someone worth uh, looking into coming off injury to maybe a panic manager. So let's move on to the last one here. This is my favorite hire this week. Todd Monken is the new offensive coordinator in Baltimore. If you're not familiar, he was the offensive coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs in their last two championships. And in 2018, he was the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay, where they set single season team highs in total yards with 6,600 passing yards was 5,300 and touchdown passes with 36 and the two quarterbacks. No, no, it wasn't Tom Brady folks. It was Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. He got that. Fitzmagic, baby. That's how I have it written in the show sheet. I should have just stuck with it. Here's what Georgia's offense did last season, John. 501.1 yards per game. 40.7 points per game. Now, I know it's college. NFL is a different game, except that Georgia runs a very pro-style offense. And the SEC, which is a very pro-style conference, These are not teams to shake a stick at. I swear to God, some of these Bama teams could have stepped into the NFL and beaten the worst team in the league some of those championship years. So this isn't nothing to get this guy in. And Baltimore's offense has been so stale for the last few seasons. I think this is good for Rashad Bateman, first of all. Yes. Two, I think it's good for whichever wide receiver they take in the draft. I think they're going after one in the first round. This would be good for that. I think it's good for J.K. Dobbins. I think it's good for Mark Andrews. I think it's good for Lamar Jackson if he sticks around. This could be this is a team that was right there last season. If you can keep Lamar Jackson on the field, change the scheme to where you're not asking him to run as much, can keep his ankles and his knees from getting banged up. First of all, we're looking at probably an MVP caliber season from Lamar Jackson. And this is a team that could easily win the AFC North. Yeah, this is a fantastic hire. The offense that he run was w- that was so versatile in Georgia. And again, we've already seen it at Tampa Bay too. He's had an uber productive NFL offense on his resume as well. This dude runs a pro style offense with a lot of misdirection, just puts defenses in binds all over the place. Just like I was talking about what I wanted to see out of this Arizona offense. And you just had Mark Andrews say during Super Bowl week that it is a passing offense and basically we need to do more. I think that this hire is an olive branch from Baltimore to Lamar Jackson and say, okay, we're going to bring in someone that's going to put together an offense that can help you take the next step statistically and help us not put so much wear and tear on your body and help us win more games. So I love this hire. 
I also agree with you. I think they're going wide receiver in the round one of the NFL draft, whichever wide receiver that is. And it wouldn't surprise me if for some reason he's there, if they go after Quentin Johnston because they want a big body guy on the outside. Mm -hmm. But whatever wide receiver that they look for there in the first round, I'm going to like it a lot. And I think as long as Rashad Bateman can stay healthy, he is a very sneaky boom candidate in his third NFL season. So I love this hire. I do too. And I think, I think we're going to see more Isaiah likely next season too, because we saw how talented of a pass catcher he is. They just, they, that offense was not set up <clears throat> for these guys to succeed with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. It's and a whole new world. Tight of ends? Who are the two tight ends out of Georgia? One's going to be in this year's draft. Darnell Washington, who's a yep. monster of a man. The second Brock Bowers first round pick in next year's NFL draft in 2024 that offense features the tight end position. So yeah, yeah, Mark Andrews is Mark Andrews, but I agree with you. I think Isaiah likely is sneaky. Yeah, I, Mark Andrews, I think for me becomes, I think we're back to tight end too. And there's not much you can really say about that in this offense. And it, it, I'm not going to lie, it excites me, John. I'm excited. I'm excited too, man. I love it for Mark Andrews. I, I love it for this offense as a whole. I think it's it's great news. I love it across yes. the board. Yeah, maybe, maybe just I'm I'm praying there's a chance for Tylen Wallace. I'm just praying. Me too. That he's the, I would that love he's the to third, see it. If he's the third wide receiver in that offense next year. Like just I'm I'm crossing my fingers, man. I loved him at Oklahoma State. The only my only question with that would be does Devin Duvernay come back? Because we saw him start to get featured in that offense a little bit more. Maybe Monken likes that type of player. Duvernay stretches the field well, like Bateman does. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. But I'm kind of back in on a lot of these guys. Like I, I want some more J.K. Dobbins. I, I wanted him a lot last season, and then he disappointed me. But now I think yeah. I'm, I'm back on back on that train. I'm going out and kicking the tires on Rashad Bateman, seeing if the managers willing to get rid of him for our cheap, which. I would imagine he probably is. He's not high up there in the rankings, but this is a guy that in this offense could be a high-end wide receiver too next season. What's sneaky to me would be if uh, if Georgia goes out and drafts running back Kenny McIntosh in the middle rounds to be a pass-catching compliment to J.K. Dobbins. Ooh, I don't hate and, that. And it was it was Munkin's running back in, in college. That would be yep. very interesting to me, and I could see that being a thing where he goes, oh, I know how to use this guy. Go get him in the mid-rounds. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. I love it. All right, speaking of rookies, it's time for Rookie Watch, John. We're going to talk about somebody I love and someone who grew up like a few blocks from our good friend, C.H. Herms. Y'all know him from Draft Sharks. He's the man. He grew up right down the street, knows the guy's parents, and he loves him. Jordan Addison, formerly of the University of Pitt, played his junior season at USC. Now he's in the draft. And John, I got to tell you, man, I've watched a lot of film on this kid over the last like six, eight months. He is so freaking talented. Just like his, and what really gets me is his route running abilities. The way that he can shake a guy off. Uh, I don't remember what the name of the move is that he does when he's running some deep, those deep routes, but he makes the cornerback essentially fall over, trip over their own feet. And he does it with such ease. Now, Obviously, it's going to be harder to do at the NFL level, but we know that the ability is there to run these like tight, sick ass routes that I just, it's like watching poetry in motion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're speaking my language here. First off, that's hilarious about Herms. I didn't know that. Um, and basically, Jordan Addison got Kenny Pickett drafted, essentially, because yep. this was his number one dude. 
But Jordan Addison, I agree with you. He is a lethal route runner. He is crazy good, arguably the best in this draft class at running routes. Like it's him and Jackson Smith and Jigba for me that are the two best route runners. Um, But this dude is so good and he understands how to leverage defenders and turn them around and just lose them. I know this is lofty and I'm not saying he's as good as him, but that aspect of his game is very Justin Jefferson-esque. You look at these games from Minnesota where Jefferson is catching a ball and there's not a defender within 15 to 20 yards. Why? It's because he crossed the dude up in his route and made him fall over or lose direction. He's going one way and Jefferson's going the other. Addison's that type of route runner to me, which I don't care that he's listed at 175 pounds. Just be the same reason. I don't care that Devonta Smith is six foot, 175 pounds. It's not their game. Now I will say, I'm hearing a lot of comparisons between Devonta Smith and Jordan Addison because of the size. Like they're the exact same build. Sure, sure, sure. Slim Reaper. Devonta Smith plays bigger than he is. Jordan Addison doesn't really do that. So I I want to put that out there that he is not as physically, you know, competitive at the ball, at the catch point, the leaping ability. It's not the same as Devonta Smith, but his ability to cross up defenders and get open, crazy good. And I think he's got a really high ceiling in the NFL. Well, look, I'm going to assume it's six foot 175, wherever he gets drafted, he's going to come into the combine at 185. I hope so, dude. I am. I cannot wait to see his way in. That's this is one of the guys that I'm looking at the most for the combine way. in. I want him to bulk up a little bit and go into it. I'm sure. And I'm sure he will. You, you see that a lot with these players. I, th- I think what I love the most is looking at his yards per catch every season. was some kind of creepy stats his freshman season at Pitt. But then 100 100 catches for 1,500 yards over 14 games in 2021 at Pitt with Kenny Pickett. And he was the Bolitnikoff winner. Best wide receiver in the country. And then we've got 59 catches for 875 in 11 games this season. He had eight tutties, but he had 17 with Pickett. Where this is all headed, John? I think you see this jersey I got behind me. I I want to see Jordan Addison in black and gold, baby. Reunion tour, huh? Throwing back with Kenny Pickett. Yes. Make the Steelers great again. Come on now. Uh, I I think it would be a great fit for Addison. I think he'd probably – could you imagine that offense with if they bring Deontay Johnson back and then Pickens and Addison with Pickett? That's that's scary. May I also interest you in an alternate reality, and I've seen it mocked a couple times and I can't stop thinking about it. Jordan Addison is the wide receiver two in Buffalo. I I love that. The problem is I don't think he lasts that long. John? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean I'm very unless curious. they trade up for him. I can't see him. The latest I've seen mm-hmm. him mocked is like 23. I think one I just looked at's got him going at 19 to the Bucks. So that's getting. Yeah. He, he it seems like his price is climbing. And again, if he shows up at the combine, weighs in a little heavier, tears up the field work. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see him being a climber. That's we, we saw it last year, too. There were multiple wide receivers drafted between like nine and 15. I think we're looking at a similar situation this year because it's a pass catching league. It's a throwing league. People need their wide receivers. So yep, he could easily be if you told me that he was the first wide receiver drafted, I would not be surprised. It very well could happen. I'm not saying it's going to, but people love his skill set, man. Like, I, I think there's a lot to be said for this elusive, shifty, route-running wide receiver. 
it with Jackson Smith and Jigba coming off the injury all this last season, I think there's some teams that are going to look at this and have Jordan Addison ahead of Njigba. And if they don't think that the route running of Quentin Johnston is as developed, Addison could be the wide receiver one on some team sports, not every team, but I think that he could be the first one to two wide receivers taken. So now this is interesting because again, the mock I'm, it's an NBC sports mock I'm going through right now. Quentin Johnson is the first wide receiver off the board at 11 to the Titans. Yep. And Jigba doesn't even come off in the first round in this mock. I've seen that a lot. I've seen it a lot where Njigba is getting mocked in the second round. I don't really understand it other than a lack of top end speed. Nope. That's really the only thing. I take that back. This mock has him going to the Bengals at 29. There's no way. There's that no way. Sense. But they also have Bijan going to the Bills at 28. So who knows? That sounds like crazy talk to me. Maybe we should do our own first round mock one of these days, John. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, we'll set it up. Give me, with give me a couple weeks. Yeah, give me a couple weeks to, to put it yeah. together. And that'd be really fun. All right, guys. So I think that's all we've got for you this week on the Dynasty Diehards. I'd like to thank everybody who tuned in for tuning in. We obviously appreciate you guys showing up, giving us some support. If the visual thing isn't for you, we have an audio version that will be dropping tomorrow along with a short recap of the episode on rasball.com. Make sure to check that out. John, I'm going to get back to the cold and snow. You get back to your at least not as cold or as snowy. Um, Everybody, make sure you like, subscribe, and have a fantastic rest of your week, and we'll see you next week. I stay loose, I stay tight, I stay loose, I stay tight, I stay loose, I stay tight.